Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Adela Marcy Unplugged. I'm your host with the most, as always, Adela Marcy. And it's actually my very good pleasure to bring on someone today that isn't, well, how do I put this? They're not run-of-the-mill. They're very different and to me very, very special because uh, I met this person. And yes, their name sounds made up and we literally just spoke about this right now before the show. Uh, by the way, um, if you guys hear any background noise, I apologize. I'm using Zoom and there's drilling going on outside, so I'm trying to minimize as much noise as possible. Uh, but today's guest is the one and only Roz Slaughter. I don't know if you guys know him. If you don't, I guarantee you at the end of this show, you'll be basically climbing over fences to find this guy. He's A, super inspirational, B, really smart, and C, just a really good dude. Like, what more do you want? Inspirational, smart, good dude. Knows his stuff in business can help you be can help your business if you're in the fitness industry as well. With that being said, I'm very very honored to actually bring my good friend Roz Slaughter onto the show. Roz, welcome to the show, man. Dude, thank you so much for allowing me to be here and uh, chat with you. And I'm looking forward to this. Man, I'm so glad that you're here. There is there are so many more avenues that we can go down to after you told me that you used to wrestle in high school and college. Because I'm like now I have many more conversations. Um, <laughs> Because I, I grapple, I do jujitsu, so like wrestling and stuff like that is fascinating to me. But that being said, very quickly, well, I want to just share my experience with you so far, and before we get you to actually talk about yourself a little bit in a second, is I want everyone listening to actually realize this. I don't often invite just random guests onto my show, nor do I actually like ask people to be on my show uh, as often as I used to. Roz is one of those dudes I basically asked him. I was like, man, I want you on my show. And he booked it. He actually got on board. We got on board. We did it. And the reason is because I know, A, he can help nearly anyone that's listening to this. B, the guy's fitness is insane. And C, he's just, like I said, when I say someone's a good dude, I mean they actually think good fellas. He's a good fella. That's how I see him. Um, so with that being said, and before, and very quickly before we continue, sponsor call. This episode is sponsored by, um, well, adelamarchi.com. Go there. Check out the new site and everything else that's there. Also by fitnessbusinessmastery.com, which is Raz's site, and it's actually freaking awesome because you're actually wait how many how many episodes of the Florida Project are on there? By the way, so you got uh, twelve total. You got twelve total. Okay, so we're going to talk about that in a second because I remember when you told me when you were going to do this, I was like, dude, that sounds incredible. So real quickly for everyone that doesn't know you, please tell us a little bit about yourself. Awesome. Well, thank you first and foremost for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Um, you're someone that I've learned a lot from and I look forward to continue to learn from. Um, my name is Roz Slaughter, as Adol said, and you know, I'm a personal trainer by trade uh, and a student um, daily. I love to learn and I got into the fitness industry mainly because someone told me I couldn't. Um, I was you know, short. I was born with a disability. My right leg is shorter than the other. And what that means is it doesn't flex or extend. So I limp as I walk each and every day. So it's very obvious that I'm different than everyone else, as well as in the personal training industry. I went to get a job. The gentleman said, you know, you don't fit the description. You're not six foot two, blonde hair, blue eyes. Um, right away, I knew you just told me I couldn't do something. I must do it. I went out and got a certification, and that's how I started my career. And then it just drove me to truly say, you know what? If I can inspire one or two people to just feel better about themselves, to look at themselves in the mirror, because we're all different and love themselves from the inside out and utilize exercise, diet, and then stress reduction to put it all together. Um, I'm going to change the world. And I knew I could do it and got inspired to do it. And 20 years later now, I own a couple of personal training studios 
and I get the opportunity and the blessing to help other fitness professionals grow and scale their businesses, utilizing my experience over the last 20 years, both inside the corporate space and working for myself as an entrepreneur. See, that's incredible because A, I didn't actually know you had that disability and that makes it even more incredible that you used to wrestle. Um, and B, I just love the fact that negative, negative motivation is not given enough credit in my opinion. I just love it when someone tells me I can't do something. That's, Absolutely. That, that's the trigger for like, bitch, you better watch me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Just the trigger to run with it. I'm like, of course I'm going to go do it because it's going to be amazing. So with that being said, the way that you actually ramped up more than anything, like how you kept going forward, my first question more than anything to you is what, besides this one person telling you not to, um, that you couldn't do it, what drove you when the times got tough? Like what really drove you? Because I know after a while you kind of let go of the negative pain that was there, but you know, how dare this person say this to me? And it's replaced by something else. And I'm curious, what was that thing that was replaced by? Sure. I mean, I think we all have a story and that story, you get to become the author. It really started with my grandmother. She was the most important person in my life. She took care of me from a young child um, because my mother was on drugs and, and really just not ready to be a mother. And my grandma stepped up to the plate. So she was my inspiration. And I always wanted to make her proud of me because her other two children did not do those things that they need to do to be a good citizen in the community. So I promised her that A, I would make sure that I become something special in this world and make an impact. And two, I would never get arrested and go to jail. She'd never had to worry about those two things with me while she was alive. And my business was driven by my desire to make sure that I could take care of her when she got sick with cancer. So I didn't want her to have to worry about anything. I didn't want her to have to worry about food, health care, or anything. She didn't need to do it. I took care of everything. And so my daily activities, where you tell me I can, I have to because I have a bigger why. And that why was to make my grandmother proud of me. Now, something that is quite powerful. I love how it's your grandma. For me, it's my mom. I have the same thing. Every day I go after it, I might I think about my mom. I'm like, yo, I made a promise to her that I'm the person that's supposed to be right. I'm like, do right by my mom. Mm -hmm. I'm like, great. That's what motivates me every day. It's why I love doing this show is because I get to, um, I get to live a life where I can actually spend time with my mother. Um, and when she's ill, because my mom loves doing what she does. She works in, like, in, in uh, caring. Like, she looks after the elderly and looks after other people. Mm -hmm. um, I'm like, you know what, mom? I know you've worked really hard, but if you need to take a day off or two, like she'll just call the office and be like, I'm going to take today off. She'll call me and be like, Hey, I took today off. And that for me is just like, cool. I'm going to send her some money. Um, so I can make sure that she doesn't miss out on anything. And I'm still building towards that point where I can just be like, cool. You're never going to have to work again. If you want to work, it's on you. If you don't want to work, everything's paid for. I'm still working towards that. And it's powerful because it keeps you going. Now I've got to ask realistically off of that, off the back end of that, what was, um, what was like the biggest challenge you had to overcome? Like growing up specifically, I mean, cause you said you have one leg shorter than the other, obviously that presents its own challenges, but like what, when you were younger, um, actually kind of forged that iron will, because again, you've got your grandmother, that's one thing. Cause a lot of people have that where they're like, I want to make X family member proud, or I want them to be happy. I don't want them to worry about this, but sometimes things get in the way life kind of becomes tough and difficult. What was it that forged your iron will? I'm curious about this. What was it? 
Um, I had to develop it. And like I said, you know, growing up in upstate New York, um, bullying was a, a reality, but it's, it, I don't consider bullying that people think of today. I mean, I was really bullied. Um, you know, people made fun of me. I took the yellow, uh, I had to go to school on a little yellow bus. Um, so early on, I decided that I was going to use my strength and my inner confidence to thrive. And I became very good at athletics and I worked out and I did push-ups when I was really young, starting at the age of like four or five. And I just didn't want to get picked. I didn't want to get picked on. I didn't want to be anybody's victim. And I didn't know that at the time. It took personal growth and learning. But it, I was developing that at a very adolescent age. And I utilized that to kind of go and say, you know what, if you tell me I can, I will. And I keep pushing forward. I kept a good attitude about everything, even when people would make fun of the way I lived or I was on crutches. Um, you know, I would just like, kind of blow it off and say, hey, you know what, but you can't do a backflip. You can't walk on the handlebars. And, and I learned to do these things to offset. And then people started to be attracted to me because, A, I wasn't allowing that negative energy to kind of pull me away from who I was. And I was developing myself into who I am, a positive person who looks at other people and say, hey, you know what, how do I assist you into feeling better about yourself? Um, and that was the driving force, just not to be a victim. That's powerful. And again, I want to touch upon this. I don't think people today really understand there's levels to bullying. What bullying today was not what you went through and certainly wasn't what I went through. I think I kind of caught the tail end of it because like my sister tells me about the shit that she went through when she was being bullied. And it was stuff like people would set, would set like try and set fire to their hair and that kind of thing. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's some that, next that's, level stuff. That's like bullying. <laughs> that's like messed up stuff, like calling you names, getting in your way, telling you they're going to beat you up. Me, it was just getting ass kickings. Like I got ass whoopings and being threatened getting an ass whooping. And I was like, I'm not allowed to fight back, which sucked. But going through those experiences and coming out the other side and kind of going, you know what? I don't want to be a victim. I don't want to let this thing that happened to me dictate what happens next in my life. Actually kind of forges an iron will, as we mentioned, but makes you mentally stronger, just being able to actually handle things. And I think that's kind of like the ingredients, uh, not the ingredient for being an entrepreneur, but having that mental toughness definitely sets you up for being an entrepreneur. Now, something I'm curious about specifically was what was your go-to wrestling move? Because again, if you've got like one shorter leg, is it your right leg that's a little bit shorter or is it your left leg? It's my right leg that's shorter than the left. Okay, so with not being able to flex fully uh, or whatever, uh, uh, entirely in the way that you could, what were some of the challenges that you came up with wrestling? Because that seems like a place where it would be an issue, like quite a big one. So um, to answer that question, my, my, my favorite move, my go-to was a low ankle uh, pick. Um, and I was very good at it because I, I was quick. So I could take, and I led off my left ankle, my left leg. So I shot off my left leg. So I would take their left or their right and just pick it and then use my right hand to push their shoulder. Boom. Um, but I had a powerful high crotch in high school and college, which was really my go-to as well. Um, I wasn't a one-move guy, and I wrestled in a very competitive area. So one move was not going to get the average uh, high-level wrestler down. You had to do two or three moves back-to-back. -back. So I would go from a low pick to a high crotch and then finish with the double um, pretty uh, consistently. And I was able to, you know, high school, over 100 wins. In college, I was just an average wrestler because in college they figured out that if I had my left leg straight or my left leg staggered, that was the only leg that I was shooting off because I couldn't shoot off my right. So yeah. they, in high school, they didn't figure that out. They would watch tapes and they oh, grab his right leg. 
when they grabbed my right leg, I was sitting there thinking that's the best thing you could possibly do because now I'm just going to wizard the shit out of you and down you go. And I was extremely upper body uh, dominant because you can imagine that I wrestled 112, 119 um, in high school and 98 pounds because I didn't have any quad or hamstring on that right leg. So although I was a heavier wrestler, upper body, my lower body didn't weigh the same. So I had a little bit of an advantage in the strength component. That is incredible. Um, just simply because for the people that don't really understand it, it's actually very difficult. Um, for the ankle pick as well, especially the way that you're doing it is quite interesting because I like, I'm sorry, the background noise is annoying. But like the best way I can say this is like for myself personally, because from what I can see, whenever I, I, I have like a natural fear of shooting for takedowns because uh, I didn't wrestle before doing MMA. When I did MMA, um, anytime I would shoot, I'd always have to be very worried and conscientious of a knee coming in or an uppercut. <laughs> yes. I was like, I don't want to go to sleep. That was never my thing. So that innate fear is still in my mind whenever I do jujitsu. But now I'm kind of like getting out of it. I realized my strongest attack is a, um, it's either a double leg and then push him to the side. So it's never a double leg forward, it's a double leg to the side. Mm -hmm. uh, or a fake double leg into a back take. So like going straight into the back one. So you duck under, come up the other side, grab a body lock and lift. Yep. God, I love that move. But the ankle pick has never been like something I could, I could train properly or do properly. But like, that that I think I may have to change that because if yeah I should be able to do that especially off the left leg should definitely be able to do that. So with the whole lessons that you learned and picked up from wrestling, how do you believe they actually kind of worked in entrepreneurship in what you do today? Like because uh, there is that saying that I've heard so many people from Joe Rogan to um, other MMA analysts and fight analysts who basically have said if you're going to pick a base. Uh, to go into martial arts or fighting, wrestling is your best bet because they just, it's not so much the, what you can do, it's that iron mindset. Again, going back to the iron will, basically it really gets pounded into you when you're wrestling. So my question therein, like, again, this is all building by the way. So the first thing was all about like, how did you develop it? What went on in childhood and all this, like, the other. And now it's kind of what lessons did you pick up from wrestling that you could actually, that you do apply to business? Like so some of the key elements you picked up from wrestling um, to business, what were they? Great question. Uh, the number one thing I picked up from wrestling that is definitely transitioned into, you know, being an entrepreneur and only multiple studios and now consulting is you have to master something. You can't be a jack of all trades and a master of none. And like you asked me, what were my best takedown moves at every position when it came to wrestling? I had that one thing that I mastered and I learned it from the great Dan Gable. You know, it was like one of the things you needed to do is like for me is an ankle pick. I had to have that. And I practiced that over and over and over again until it was unconsciously ingrained in my memory. So if I saw someone take there and they stepped with that right foot in the right position, I didn't have to think about shooting. My left leg, my left hand grabbed the ankle, pushed the shoulder away, boom. And now I'm going into my move. And that's what you have to do in business as well. Whether if you're on a sales call, you need to drill your opening. You need to drill your rapport getting. Um, and that is critical. You don't want to be shooting from the hip, hoping and praying and wishing that you're going to know what to say in that moment. You need to be unconsciously conditioned to win. And that's what it was. That, that lesson I took from wrestling right into business. And another lesson that I like to share is that, hey, in wrestling, you're on the mat by yourself. 
and there's nobody. Yes, you can hear the crowd and you can hear your coaches, but you are responsible for what you do out there in that given six minutes. And in business, it's the same thing. If you're the CEO, if you're the entrepreneur, you're the owner, you're responsible for everything that happens within your business. And I've taken that and that's really helped me in business. That's amazing. And more importantly, holy crap, wow. Dan Gable is, that dude is insane. Yes. Yeah, Kale, is it? Is... Kale Challen. Challen, yeah. He Wait, was who? amazing. You were going to say Kale, the guy who basically yeah. went undefeated throughout college. Saunders, right? Yep. That's the one. Yeah, That dude was insane. Like I remember watching tape of him, and that guy is a beast. Uh, I can't remember which Division One wrestler, like royalty, decided to wrestle with uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov. But uh, they were in the training room, and someone actually said, yeah, like um, – Khabib didn't lose a round. <laughs> He's like, what do you mean? He's like, he basically out-wrestled this guy, kept taking his back. I was like, um, yeah, that, that dude's kind of insane. I, I love what, for me, I love wrestlers in the way that they are because their mindset is very much how you just described it. But secondly, it's the idea that they can be so relaxed off the mat. It's like when they're on the mats, right, let's go. Off the mats, hey man, I'm your greatest friend. Let's hang out and go get some food. It's like the weirdest, sure. di- it's the weirdest dichotomy, but I love it because it's, it breeds competition. It breeds a lot of positivity, you know. Now, with fitness businesses in particular, I do know there is a high turnover rate, meaning in the sense of a lot of people become fitness, uh, they become personal trainers, but they seem to more or less crap out. They just kind of, they fail after a year or so. They find that it's a little bit hard to get clients than they originally thought. Because again, once you have your certification, you don't really go through the sales training. You don't go through the sales process as much. They kind of just set you free on the well and go go get a job at a gym and figure out what you can do. My curiosity here is for the people that are fit pros in the, in, who are listening in right now, what could they do that could help them? And bear with me one moment. Continue that question for me. Sure. So, I mean, the number one thing that fitness professionals entering into the space need to understand is that it's important to be different unique. Now we all hear this when you, whether it's, uh, you know, your USP, you got to find out what's your message and what you're going to do different than every other personal trainer. Because if you're not different, you're just like any other Joe Schmo from Kokomo who got a certification. So the number one thing I say is find your message. And that message is who you are, what you stand for, what you stand against, what's your philosophy. See, one of the things that I learned early on is that I wasn't like every other personal trainer. I was different. And I knew right away that my number one go-to was it wasn't going to be about reps and sets. It wasn't going to be about kettlebells and TRX. It was going to be about my ability to motivate and connect with my clients on a deeper level. And when because I was able to connect with them on a deeper level, they saw the value in what I was actually sharing with them. And it was transformational. It wasn't transactional. And I think most trainers think it's transactional. Here, you give me $1,200, I give you 12 sessions. Great. That's what they see themselves as, just that, that level. Now, when they get a little bit deeper and they... Ross, keep going for a second. No problem. And if they get a little bit deeper, then what that's going to allow them to do is say, hey, I connect with one specific target audience and I'm going to speak to their pain and I'm going to solve their, their pain with my unique solution. This is how you stand out in this very noisy market. I don't believe it's saturated because the, the cream of the crop will always rise to the top, but you have to have a message. And what is your message and who you deliver that message to is going to set you apart from all of the personal trainers, all of the bootcamp owners, all of the studio owners. You have to have a message. 
So could you catch that last bit again? Just that last bit that you just said. So, oh, about they have to have a message. Yeah, def- okay, so they have to have a message. Now, real quick, uh, just want to apologize to people listening and also you personally, uh, Russ. Some asshole person decided to basically call my downstairs and like, hey, could you let me into the building because I've got a delivery? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And instead of delivering the thing to the person that's delivering it, they brought it to my house. And I'm like, <laughs> no, go away. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> That just bugs me because I'm like, sorry, so a slight thing because like whenever I'm doing my podcast, it's very much like I try and time it so I know I'm not going to be disturbed and it just bothers me when that happens, especially because I was just about to ask you, uh, I was listening to your story and there was like a couple of questions that came up. One of the first ones realistically was how do you figure out what it is that you do differently? Because for you, it was that you connect your inspirational in the way that you get people to actually move forward. But what is it that, how can other people find out what their special skill is that they can connect with other people? Absolutely. So it has to be something that you do naturally. So um, a lot of times personal trainers will get into the space and they say, you know what, Um, I'm going to be a fat loss transformation expert, or I'm going to be, I'm going to be a yoga expert, or I'm going to do X, Y, Z kettlebell. But that's just a tool. And you don't want to say you specialize in a tool because a lot of people can do that. So one of the things that I did is also is that, okay, I chose my avatar or my niche were women, women specifically through within an age range. And I knew that they were entering into a new phase of their lives, which is called menopause. And this allowed me to really dive even deeper and say, if you're entering into perimenopause or postmenopause, I specialize in this. And then I did what a lot of people don't want to do. I went out and purchased 25 books on the topic and became an expert. I wasn't a joking expert, I wasn't a faking expert. I learned from the top, and then I went and interviewed those other experts so that I could actually borrow their authority, borrow their knowledge, and then come back to my audience and teach it and share it authentically in my own voice. Oh, wow. See, that's powerful, because you really doubled down and did that, and did the work that actually goes into actually figuring out what it is the audience wants. And that's a powerful niche to be part of or a niche to be part of um, in particular. I know someone over in the UK is going to be like, Ooh, I can do that. Do the work. And maybe we'll see. Or reach out to Roz and ask him to help you because I know that'll be like phenomenal for you. Now, something I wanted to question and ask here, is there an actual way that other people around you can actually inform you on what you're good at is that something that's possible uh, that's possible to do or is it does it have to come from within no absolutely like one of the, we I, if you're, you're going to get a handful of clients just so you know in the beginning all you had to do is have a credit card and breathing and i would have taken you on as a client but yeah. i had to go and survey my audience and after when i opened my first gym we were basically doing boot camps we were doing what everybody else does whatever's popular whatever's trending we started to do it then we surveyed and said what makes us unique what makes us better than everybody else? Why are you willing to invest your money in, into us? And my business partner, Greg, and I went through these surveys. We used SurveyMonkey at the time. And it was really easy. People said, oh, you listen. Uh, and then we looked at the age range and we're like, wow, okay, most of our clients fall this way. Oh, they were struggling with having these symptoms. What are these symptoms? These symptoms are dealing with you know, this phase of this person's life. That really gave us the aha moment. And we'd start to dial in and we wanted to be, you know, the only one that was doing this at the time about seven or eight years ago. Um, and I remember reading in uh, one of Jay Abraham's books, you know, um, you want to be preeminent. And we were just really there and talking about something that no one else was doing. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you're the, you're the first people I've ever heard speak about that being a marketplace that you serve. And I know a lot of PTs and none of them have actually ever told me that, yeah, this is, we serve women specifically that basically are going through menopause. It's and, not an easy subject to uh, kind of dive into because it can go in all different directions. It's 35 symptoms that they, the female can actually have to experience and the, you can't cookie cutter it. No, you really can't. You got to like personalize that. But that's such a marketplace that you can go into, but you actually have space to dominate because you are becoming the preeminent force in that area. And it's just really interesting to me that so few people are actually willing to put in the hard work to get there. And um, it's really interesting because like, this is something that I had, uh, we had a different guest on a couple of weeks ago, Travis Houston. Um, and Travis said it himself. He was like, the best thing that you could do for your business is ask 40 people that you've worked with the last 40 clients, why they bought from you and what makes you different. And uh, take that and be able to empathically create new content around those ideas, right? Mm -hmm. And that's just such a powerful tool in its own right. Now, we've discussed a lot about books. And I'm curious about this because I want you to take as much time as possible because I know your mind is going to go racing all over the place. So I'm going to ask you, what were 10 nonfiction books that were influential to you that you would tell anyone if they were in my position where they're moving homes? They could only take 10 books with them. What 10 books would you tell them? Take these with you. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a, that, because I just moved a couple months ago from New York to Florida. Um, yep. I had to go through and get rid of a lot of books that uh, definitely were just clogging up space. But the number one book I would tell everyone is definitely Unleash uh, the Unlimited Power by Tony Robbins. Mm -hmm. um, definitely uh, Awaken the Giant by Tony Robbins. Mm -hmm. Thinking Grow Rich. Um, let's see. I, I definitely like Book Yourself Solid by Michael Port. Okay. Um, I would like Success Through a Positive Mental Attitude. Norman Vincent Peale? Yes, absolutely. Ah, I thought so. Um, Influenced by Robert Cialdini. Great book. Dot Com Secrets, Russell Brunson. Mm-hmm. Unlimited Sales Machine by Chet Holmes. Mm -hmm. hmm. I'd have to say, uh, let's see, what number am I on? Six? Seven? Seven. The Go-Giver. Absolutely. Bob Bob, great guy. By the way, have you ever spoken to Bob? I have. It's, it's was, very easy and very approachable via social media. Yeah, I was going to say, if you hadn't already, I would have made the introduction because he's a really good friend. Yeah, he, he's, I mean, when, on, when we read that, and sorry to digress, but I bought probably about 20 of those and started giving them out to friends and, and entrepreneurs that I knew that just needed to kind of shift their thinking and go from I'm taking always to how do I give and serve. Yeah. And it's changed because it opens up doors like us doing business and us talking. Like me and you having this podcast was because we both wanted to help each other. Absolutely. So it was a good thing. So, okay, we're at number eight, I think. Two more. Um, Change or Die was a good book. Um, mental, the mindset of what happens to, to you as you're going through a tough time in your life and how we normally will change, but we won't, we'll forget and then we'll move forward. And the last one, oh, if you're an entrepreneur, the e-myth. 
Okay. So those are quite interesting because um, here's what really strikes me about that. You've got so many books that you can choose from and you literally pick the ones that you can, you could buy literally every one of these books for less than, I'd say 50 bucks, maybe 70 bucks. You can get all these, like these books. And that's really funny to me that the majority of the books, they, they cover everything, mindset, sales, uh, marketing, and self-development, like actual self-development, not just like mindset development, but self, like full body development, because Tony Robbins' thing, if I remember correctly, isn't just to master your mind, it's to master your body. And your emotional impacts, which is great. Um, and something I really want, and I'm glad that you brought up the whole move to Florida because I was literally going to ask, one of the things I remember, and we mentioned it earlier, was about the, uh, the pro was it Project Florida or Florida Project? The Florida Project. Yeah, the Florida Project. What drove that? Like, what actually made you go from, all right, I'm going to move from New York to Florida, and I'm going to basically start up a whole, uh, what was it, a whole studio by myself and fill it out in, what was it, 30 or 60 days? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you basically set this insane challenge for yourself. First of all, it, why? Uh-huh, okay. And secondly, so, how? Cool. So the why was simple. You know, um, in our industry, you're an amazing copywriter. You're a creator. Uh, and I'm sure people get to put that title on their name all the time. And you're looking at them and going, you haven't paid your dues. You yep. haven't done anything yet. You're trying to charge these prices and compare yourself to me. And so I felt that. And, and that was a little bit self-serving. I'm like, you know what? I've been in this game a long time. I know my chops. I've studied and understand how to build and develop a business. So I've done it three. I had done it four other times in New York. But anybody can hit a home run in their backyard where they know everybody. They have contacts, so on and so forth. So the challenge was, and I remember Tony Robbins saying that when he first got started in his business at 18 or 19, he would challenge any therapist that he could cure their, their, um, their patient in under 60 minutes. Now that's scary to do it, and he did it on TV. So I was like, you know what, I'm gonna show people that I can do this with no contacts, I'm gonna do it with no gym, I'm gonna do it with limited funds. So I wasn't going, oh, I have an infinite bank account, and I'm gonna just go and do it in a new state. Um, so we moved here to Florida in July. On July 18th, I landed in Florida. I had a meeting at a gym by 1230, landed at 9 a.m. I wasn't playing around. I wanted to make sure, and I wanted to document the process and show those who are watching that you can do this anywhere in any country, in any state, but there's five things that you have to understand and have mastered in order to do that. You got to know what your mark, you have to know how to sell, marketing, operations, servicing, and finance. And you have to look at those five pillars in your business and go, okay, I knew that. So right away, I started to, I went out and did some connecting, met with some gym owners. Right away, I saw that there were some negative people that didn't believe that they could do this and it could happen and wanted to charge me an absorbent amount. I called up a young lady who had a gym and I said, hey, I'd love to meet with you and tell you what I'm doing. I'm a personal trainer and I own a couple studios up in New York and I'd love to rent space out of your gym. And I walked in and right away I started to, like we were talking about books, the go-giver, right? I started to give her because I noticed that there were some inconsistencies in her messaging and her brand. I started to share some marketing things that I knew that could instantly help her. She saw a connection there and she was like, wow, I'd love for you to, you know, I only train kids in the afternoon. I want to train clients in the morning. Boom. So right away I, I had my location within a week. 
Um, and then I just put the marketing in place. The marketing was simple. How do I let the local area know that I'm an authority on a specific niche and I'm going after that niche full blown? I created the video that explained the problem of menopause and how I had written a book on it and how I could help women solve it. I put it up on Facebook. I put some traffic to it and I, I simply sent it to an offer. Very simple to do. Um, and you get to watch this process of me driving around, learning about the community. And I dove into the community, became a part of the community. I didn't just say, oh, I'm going to be a taker and set up a gym. I went to the PTA. I learned a little bit about the community, the schools, and the basketball teams and things like that. So people could see me outside of the community, not just some guy who was transient and, and moved into the neighborhood and now is trying to run a business. See, that's really powerful. And something else that I really want to jump in, like really just to um, edify you here with, is the fact that you did this in the shortest space of time and you just hustled. And you basically took away any excuse anyone has. Like, what is the excuse? Oh, I don't have the connections. I don't have this. I don't have that. Oh, yeah? Neither do I. I'm going to go do this anyway. And, I'm, and while you're telling me all of this as well, the idea clicked into my brain going, what can I do as a copywriter to actually bring on that challenge to someone else? Because I've seen people go out there and say, I, I, you know, I'm a million dollar copywriter. And I look at their results and they made one person, so not even one person, they made 10 people a collective of $100,000 each and they made a million dollars that way for their clients. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, please don't call yourself a million dollar copywriter because you're not. Because none of your promos have made a million. Your promos have made 10 people 100,000. Be a six-figure copywriter. Yeah, that's fine. Just don't say you're a million-dollar copywriter. And again, for me, it's like there is that level of ego where I'm just kind of like, yeah, but spend 15 minutes with me and I'll, can, I'll basically prove to you that I'm the best versus having to like sit here and say, Re just like, you know, keep smacking it over your head, say I'm the best. I'll just prove it. Yep. So thinking like how I could do that as well on a wide scale, because that's one of my big goals is uh, for, cause I turned 30 this year. My goal from September to the next September in 2020 is to really fully establish an authority in the, in every industry as a copywriter, but more importantly is some of the kind of like, you can see the difference between there's grades to each level and you can see where I stand amongst all of them. Cause in my mind, I don't still think I'm an A class copywriter. I still see myself as a B, like a very good B, a low minus, A minus copywriter, even though my results actually speak like to the high end. I'm still like, nah, I got time. I got a little bit of humility to build up to. Um, and one of the things I wanted to uh, commend you on, at least to remind me on as well, is how quickly you did it. You didn't waste time. You looked at how you could help a lady. Okay, I can help you do this. Let's get this thing going. Let's go great. Let's do this. I'm going to go dive into the community. I'm going to help the community. The community can see me. I can see the community. Now I'm building a tribe and a following. Great. Let's go, go, let go forward with this. And you became preeminent to it again because the thing that you did that was the authority drop was, oh, I help people with this. And by the way, I wrote the book about it. Yes. Writing a book is like the most mic. It is a mic drop response. That is a, all right, wrote a book about it. Cool. Now you guys know that I'm great at what I do. Let's do this. It's so simple uh, to do. So one of my other favorite questions on the show as we uh, round out is quite simply to ask you, when you've had some of those really tough times in business, in any area, life, happiness, health, whatever it is, what 
did you do specifically? Like what steps did you take to pull yourself back up? Cause we've all been there where we're trying to get out of, um, we're trying to get out of hell, but we just keep being dragged back in. What did you do to start those steps out and keep yourself out? That's one. And the second, God, I had a really good second question. I've just had like a, uh, my brain's just gone blank. Okay. So yeah, let's just focus on that first one. What were the steps that you took to actually rebuild that confidence underneath you and just remembered it. And the second is how did you overcome um, bad habits? And like by bad habits, I mean like stuff that would actually get in the way. Like for instance, procrastination, um, eating way too much fats and sugars and stuff like that. And like really, you know, allowing your body to develop in its own right. So how did you actually break those habits and create new, better habits, essentially? So those are my two questions for you. So first part of that first question is, and I like to be in full transparency, we're always growing. And I love that you said that you still have to have a little humility because the minute we think we've arrived, we're going to be at the top and fall off. Yep. Um, so when, when I've been in the dark spots, and, and if you're an entrepreneur or a business owner, you're going to hit some spots in your day. You're, you're firing up, all things are going right, and that's when you're going to plateau off. And I got into a little bit of a complacency after I got to Florida and we got out the gate and had 30 clients in less than 30 days. And then I was able to bring on a new trainer and offload those. And so now I'm back at working in my, I'm working at home again and enjoying the lifestyle. Um, and I started to, I had to look at my diet. I had to look at my goals and say, what's the next target that I want to. So I look at my why, why am I doing what I'm going to do? I want to make an impact and I have to dial back into that impact focus. Because if I'm just looking at revenue, if I'm just looking at number of clients and sales, that's all out there and that's going to happen for itself. I had to find what is my vision for what it is I'm doing. And then it recalibrates me to go, okay, you know what, Roz? You said you wanted to make an impact. You want to make an impact on people's lives so that they can become better. And in order to do that, you need to be able to serve them on a different level. And you have to, so I'll go to my books immediately and go, okay, what do I need to learn to, to, to feel better about this moment, to learn something to get over it? Always my books always pull me out of a dark spot, um, whether it's looking at, you know, Awaken the Giant Within or watching, listening to some Jim Rohn. It always helps me get there. Now, the steps I always take is simply going back to, OK, what is it that I want to accomplish? What here's where I want to go. Here's where I'm at. What are five or six steps that are going to get me there so that I can estimate exactly what do I need to be doing every single day? Um, one of the things that I started doing again this year um, is I journal daily and I simply say, I am, I'm grateful for these things and I'm committed so that I've been committed for the last 40, whatever, two months of this year, three months of this year on making sure that I hit 216 workouts, making sure that I, I delete all the, uh, the sugar from my diet. So I have clarity, mental clarity. I've been intermittent fasting in the morning so that I'm really clear and I'm not clogging up my body with a bunch of foods that are holding me back and not allowing me to be at my full peak state. Um, th that's really it. I mean, it's very simple. You got to go back to your why, look at your vision, and then decide what are the steps you need to take. Now, if you don't know what you need to do, that's when you need to go out and find someone who can help you do it. Matching and mirroring is critical. Find someone doing what you want to do. If they're doing it at a high level, you study them, start to do what they do, and then you'll have what they have. That's powerful. That is really powerful. And it's something that I'm actually really looking forward to as well as finding someone that can actually help me with my sugar addiction. Just simply because I know that's the one thing that like screws my, my trainings. Oh yeah. And the consistency it's of eating. That's the other one. 
because I'm like hella consistent when I eat because uh, in, in, inconsistent, sorry. Um, when I eat because uh, when I start working out, and I spoke to my PT about this. When I start working out and start getting into a good groove, I actually stop eating altogether. It's like the weirdest thing. Like I'm no longer hungry about stuff. This is really weird. It's a simple paradigm shift where you, if you, if you, for me, I don't eat for pleasure. I eat for fuel. So if you make that shift, it's very easy for you to kind of go, oh, because a lot of people think, oh, I work out, I have to have a shake, I have to do this. No, I'm just fueling my body. Um, like I've been experimenting with intermittent fasting. So for 16 hours, I don't eat. Then I eat between an eight-hour period, which allows me to really, and I eat only clean foods. So I'm only eating vegetables, clean proteins, good, healthy fats, higher fat. And I'm really, I cut my carbs very low in the first week or so of doing that. I'm not doing keto or anything specifically, but it's a keto-ish type uh, pro protocol. Um, as for me, I feel amazing. My body has no aches. I'm training five days a week. Um, I'm throwing boxing in there as well. And nice. your joints feel great because when you're not polluting your body with toxic foods that are putting a lot of uh, pressure on your digestive system, you're able to produce at a higher level. I would agree. I would agree massively with that because it allows your body to actually focus in completely on what it needs. It basically locks in. Your body locks in it. It uses the food and fuel that you give it. And especially if you're eating from that perspective, of like I'm not eating for, ple for pleasure, I'm eating for purpose. Um, that alone right there gives you, if I'm not mistaken, it actually, because you've done this, it gives you like a level of, how do I put this in words? Essentially, imagine if your body was a uh, construction site. If you gave your body the right type of tools, it knows exactly where to put them, like the right materials to use, and that will speed up your recovery. That will speed up your ability to do more. That would be what you're saying, right? Absolutely. It just, makes, it just puts your body in a state of ease so that you could flow. So it's like putting yourself in the ultimate writing space so that you don't have any, any distractions and anything getting your attention, and now you could just be in flow. Yeah, that's true. And that is so very powerful as well. And that's something I may actually have to start shifting in my own brain is that I'm eating for fuel, not for pleasure. Because Lord knows I do like to eat for pleasure from time to time. <laughs> Goddamn cookies. <laughs> <laughs> They're good. Oh man. I was talking to uh, one of my, one of my clients about this because he, he works specifically with a, with the digestive system mm -hmm. and how it works. And um, I was like, I'm reducing my sugars. He was like, that's good. I was like, I say that as a man that's been awake since four in the morning and I've had two cookies. <laughs> and he was like, seriously? I was like, it's better than the box. He goes, that's, that's an improvement. I'm glad. But I'm like, I need to get that down to a zero <laughs> uh, because it's totally messed. Like the amount of workouts I do, I should be, I should be leaner based on how much I work out. But I think it's because my food is completely off kilter that it's, I'm not getting the right nutrients in order to build back up. I'm just getting like lazy nutrients. Um, to build back up. And that's something I really need to do for myself. That being said, I do want to ask you as far as it goes with entrepreneurs that actually do work from home, that actually have like a home office and whatever, but they don't really train at all. What would be some very simple exercises that someone could do just to even begin the journey of getting in shape? Great question. So the first thing, I mean, it's not about when people think I got to go to the gym or I got to work out. It's about moving, moving and breathing. And it's something that you can do right in your office, doesn't matter the size. So one of the things that I'm doing, and I've been teaching a lot of you know, people that are in my space, 
is stand up and stretch. Stand up and stretch. Lift your arms above your head. Let the blood flow throughout your entire body. Take five nice, slow, deep breaths in. Hold it for anywhere from five to 10 seconds and exhale completely. That will gonna, that's going to give your body oxygen. That oxygen is going to give you clarity and is going to push the blood throughout your body as well. That is critical. Now, if you want to get in shape, throw in some body weight squats and interchange that with push-ups and you, you're golden. You're getting an upper body, lower body work. You're pushing the blood throughout the periphery system. Game changer for your creativity and your energy. If you feel like you're dipping, take a quick five-minute break. Do 50 push-ups, 50 squats, five to 10 deep breaths. Solid. That is very simple to actually do in your day. Absolutely, multiple times. Yeah, you could do that all the time. And yeah, there is very, very, very little reason that anyone could do that. They could not do that, sorry. Um, wow, that is... I'm actually writing this down at the same time and kind of like wow and going, I could totally do all of these in my midday because that's how I get my energy. But Raz, I just want to thank you so much for actually taking the time for being here and being so open and like, you know, just sharing exactly, answering whatever I've asked because that's been powerful for me. I really appreciate you taking the time to do so. Um, guys, I want you to get over to um, Raz's website as well and check out his podcast as well. If you go to uh, fitnessbusinessmastery.com, um, check out his, uh, just check out everything that's there basically. Look at his, the Florida project, look at what he's doing, if it sits and resonates with you see if you can actually get him to teach you because he has some great training programs on this um and also would you say people should check out the fitness business mastery podcast because i think they should absolutely they can check out the podcast and if you're on facebook that's one of the cool places that i do a lot of free content so it's just facebook.com forward slash coach Roz. that's coach Roz r-a-h-z and I'm on there all the time, giving away content, interviewing different fit pros, authors, and thought leaders. Yep. He's, he's a badass. Just going to tell you that right now. Everything you've heard today, this is kind of like, all right, so I'm going to do this and go do some. What are you doing after this, by the way? Right, what is the crazy thing you're doing after the show? Um, after the show, uh, today? Yeah. Um, I'm going to be probably heading out for a bike ride in a little bit and uh, take my dog for a walk. That's about it, man. Just hanging out. I got to ask, how far is your bike ride? Because I say bike ride and it's like, I don't know, I'm going to go like two or three miles. I'll be fine. You say bike ride. It could be much longer. Who knows? Well, today's bike ride will be a, probably about, uh, I'm going from here to Vero Beach. So about 10 and a half miles. Yeah. See, told you. I do a bike ride and I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to do this for like, you know, because I'm, I feel like riding a bike. He does it. It's like, I'm just going to go 10 miles because I can't screw you. I'm like, fair enough. Damn it. <laughs> but yeah, it's inspiring. Uh, for so many other reasons as well. But Raz, I want to say thank you for actually being here again. And it was an honor interviewing you. And I hope that we get you back on the show in future. And guys, go check out his, uh, his website, fitnessbusinessmastery.com. Check, check out the podcast, which is by the same name. And also check out facebook.com forward slash coach Raz, R-A-H-Z or Z for my British friends. Um, and there are some amazing people on there these interviewed. So I def definitely recommend this. Uh, and could not recommend Roz any more than I already do. All right, guys, have an amazing day, and I'll see you next week, and have a great weekend. Thank you very much for having me. Have a great day, everyone.